0: Your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. You're listening to the Stick Blade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It's a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals podcast We cover all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and then just general news around the NHL. For your host tonight, I'm Jordan Linscott, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicola Page and David Barnhouse. Um, on the wing side of the podcast tonight, we have a couple things to talk about. Uh, Grand Rapids, basically the crew, they're staying together through the rest of the season, a couple of trades for the wings. And then also Steve Eiserman, sort of just talking about what is rebuild philosophy in Detroit is going to be moving forward. Um, Nick, what do we look like on the Hawks side for this week's podcast?
1: Yep. Downside of the Hawks side, we got the Robin Leonard trade to the Vegas golden Knights. We got Eric Gustafson finally traded to the Calgary flames. My thoughts on Stan Bowman's comments about asset management, and then Duncan Keith makes a little hat trick history with 600 career points, 100 career goals, and 500 career assists. And
0: then after all of that's done, we're going to be talking about the rest of the trade deadline for the league, because a couple pretty big moves happened to this trade deadline. So after the Hawks and Wingsides are all done, we're going to talk about those. But since I introduced them first, let's go ahead and just get right into the Wings side of the podcast. So... Walk us through what happened on trade day.
2: All right. So um, Sunday's game against, it was Calgary, wasn't
0: it? Was it Calgary on Sunday?
2: Sunday. Yeah.
0: So Sunday's game,
2: um, Anthony and Green were healthy scratches, which basically foretold what was going to happen on Monday um, for the trade deadline. Uh, So the first trade that took place was Mike Green. Mike Green was dealt uh, to the Edmonton Oilers for a conditional third or fourth round pick. So basically, I think is it I think it was for if the Oilers make the conference final, it becomes a third if I recall correctly. I think um, that's what it is. And it gave us um, so if if not, we get a fourth for next year. Um, it also gave us, um, retired contract for Kyle Brodziak. Um, I mean, he's not going to play, but it's just a uh, cut and cap for both teams. And we sent, uh, Mike green over there. Um, the second trade that came later in the day was also to Edmonton. So there were two different trades. Um, and that gave, uh, we gave Anthony Sioux, which, you know, I was sad to see him go and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um but it gave us a second round pick and this year and next year and veteran forward uh, Sam Gagne who has 13 points on this season. Um, also it's not really a trade, but Toronto had waived Dimitro Timoshev, um, who the Red Wings claimed off waivers, which I'm pretty happy with. He's a very low risk, high reward uh, player. Uh, so yeah, Jordan, what do you think about the trades? Let's get into this.
0: So, I thoroughly like the Athena CU trade. I know a lot of people wanted first rounders for him. And the thing is, though, when you're trading assets with anybody in pro sports at all, leverage is absolutely a factor here. As much as I would have liked to have seen Iisman get a first round pick, the fact is Athena CU's not inked to another deal yet. He hasn't had just ridiculous all-star stats where you look at him and say, yes, this kid is a bona fide guaranteed top six player who is going to be putting you up 20 to 30 goals consistently which consistently is the important part here so i think two seconds is actually good and let's not forget one of those seconds isn't until next year so let's say the oilers just completely fall apart next year that second could almost in theory feel like a very late first so i don't think that's really a bad pick
2: no not at all um you know, I know Anthony you From what I read from a Larkin interview uh, yesterday, was a little shocked and upset that he got traded. But at the end of the day, it's a business, and it was really cool yesterday. He was on the top line with Connor McDavid, so two amazing speedsters, and they lost in a, in a shootout. But Connor McDavid had three assists, and Anthony Sioux had a goal and an assist.
0: So did really well his first game with the Oilers. I mean. I really like the Mike green deal. What's your opinion on it, uh, David? I mean, we
2: got a high draft pick for an aging defender um, who has slowed down a lot in the years. So I was really happy with that. You know, Ken Holland has a type. He, he takes players that he's already taken. (laughs) Um, but I'm hoping they make it so we can get a third round pick from them. That'd be awesome. Um, Speaking of defenders, I was really shocked to see Mr. Superstar Trevor Daly not go to a contender like he said he wanted to. Um, poor guy. I guess he's not as good as he thinks he is. But yeah, I, I like the green deal.
0: Like When you look at Detroit from the outset, what do you think of the moves that got made in just terms of the trades?
1: You know, I love the Anthony C.U. deal. It was kind of the topic of discussion for several weeks for us. The last few podcasts just because we were wondering what the return would be for a guy that scored thirty goals but is struggling this season. Mm-hmm. Two second round picks is a great return and then along with Sam Gagne, who he's older now, but he I mean is a guy to throw in your lineup for the rest of the season and maybe play a role next season. It, it's a good return. And uh, you know, like you like you said, I know first round pick was obviously what would be the big want, but I think it was kind of a win win for both teams. Anthony Sioux playing next to Connor McDavid is going to be fun to watch for Oilers fans with that speed. And then yep. also to add on that, I think Ken Holland knows Anthony is worth. So I think Eiserman and Ken Holland actually made a good deal just because Holland knows like Anthony Sioux, when he's on, is worth two second-round picks. And then Detroit just gets another two high picks for the next two years, and it's a good return for both teams. And uh, it's one of those things where it's actually a win-win for both.
2: Yeah, so, so to talk more about Anthony Siu's trade. Um, he was going to command a pretty hefty contract next year, which we already have to pay other players, and he was the odd man out out of guys like Manta and Bertuzzi. Um, the other thing is the two players we got in the deals uh, with Gagne and with uh, Brodziak's contract, both contracts expire at the end of the season, so... It's a win-win. We we shed that salary as well. If we decide Sam Gagne is a veteran presence we want to keep, we can offer him a veteran minimum.
0: The thing I, that's also important for this deal, and not I mean, a lot of people have really been talking about online. I mean, does Edmonton now have legitimately the best center depth in the league? I mean, now you can literally play. McDavid, Dry Nugent Hopkins, and Riley Sheahan as your centers. That has got to be some of the best center up in the current NHL.
2: Riley Sheahan, Oh god. He scored the last goal at the Joe. His only goal of the season.
1: <laughs> at this point, it's the Edmonton Red Wings are going on now. I mean, it's got the you got the Detroit Oilers and the Edmonton Red Wings. He <laughs> just out.
0: needs to take the Oilers logo and like make it red and white and then just throw like the little wing off to the side. <sighs> I guess I got to cheer for the Oilers a little bit now.
1: I mean, it was inevitable in the end. Like, we knew Holland was going to be in the mix of this somehow. I I, I didn't think Mike Green maybe, but I figured Anthony to see you and Holland were going to get reunited eventually. And it came to – on Monday. And, yeah, so,
0: I mean – The weird part is one of them – one of the trades was made during the middle of the night, though. So, like, what was it? It was, like, I think, like, 1230 in the morning or something that the news broke. For which one? Green. Um, I think Mike Green. I, guess, I think green. it was green.
1: I was green at like twelve thirty. I was talking to my buddy who was a Wings fan, and, and I'm like, "Oh, you guys are straight to Mike Green." He's like, "What do we get in return?" I'm like, "You got Kyle Brodziak's contract and a uh, fourth round pick that could turn her third. He's like, "Oh, fuck it, he's gone." So, dude, he, Found it seemed like, <laughs> seemed like one of those deals that you know you got a pick, and you're happy.
2: Um. So Dimitro. Uh, Temeshov the other player we acquired it wasn't a trade but it was during the trade deadline stuff um
0: very happy with that pickup and like the thing is he's not a bad player right he just simply could not crack Toronto's forward group because Toronto's forward group is absolutely stacked like yep. he's and not he's a younger. terrible player
2: and he's younger than Antanasio by 2 years kid.
0: Worst case scenario, we take him off waivers and we put him back on next year. Like, that's literally the worst case scenario. Yep. Best case scenario, you can trade him later for picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: so like this season, he's played 39 games and has nine points. So he can do stuff, but he just hasn't been able to crack the Maple Leaf. Or Yeah, the Maple Leafs. Because, like, looking at him playing in the the AHL last year, he had 14 goals and 35 assists. So he knows what
0: to do with the puck. That's kind of the downfall for him. And I mean, he is a solid player, Nick. I mean, the thing is, though. I mean, Toronto is just so ridiculously stacked at forward. Like, even good (laughs) forwards have a hard time breaking into that roster. Because, I mean how do you begin to even compete with the likes of guys like Matthews and Tavares, like these all-star players? Like you can't not unless you yourself are a star player. And that doesn't mean you're bad. just means you're not at that level.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, with, I mean, with a young talented creative forward like that, who I think he's more seen as a sniper, but a creative, he could also create plays. So, uh, you know, just give him time on the top nine, maybe even top six to finish out the season. And, see what you got in that guy. I mean, he's young. He's still got a lot of raw talent. I was reminded I might have a diamond in the rough that he found on waivers.
2: Yeah.
0: Speaking of the rest of the season though, I kind of want to talk about specifically uh, what the, what the idea is behind for the rest of the season in regards to the guys in Grand Rapids. So I know a lot of people want to see guys like Joe Valeno, guys like Moritz Sider, guys like Rasmussen get chances at the NHL. And I th- I think it's a good idea to let them have that, but basically from what I've understood, management has basically said we want to keep this group in Grand Rapids together. They're clicking right now. They're in a playoff position and they actually have a pretty strong roster so far. They're building chemistry. I mean, do you guys like this idea or do you think that Detroit should say, you know, the AHL isn't what matters to us right now. It's getting NHL looks at these guys.
2: I think it's fine. Let them play, let them grow with each other because eventually they're going to be up here with us. So let them continue to click and grow with each other.
1: I'm I'm not completely against it, but what Detroit could also do is, kind of like what some of the other teams around the league are doing, is filing the roster transactions on paper so they are eligible to play in the AHL playoffs and going forward and call them up for a little bit. Because I, I know the Hawks did it with Lucas Carlson and Matthew Highmore. They they technically filed them down to the AHL on paper, but they're still on the Blackhawks roster because they could play with the Hawks until I don't know right before the playoffs, and they could send them down in the AHL and let them go with the playoff run for Rockford. I mean, I don't even know where Rockford's at in playoff their playoff push, but they could do some around like that too.
0: Yeah. Um. And also, I guess. While we're talking about Grand Raps and these young guys coming up, uh, Steve Eiserman had a press conference where he was talking about you know, the trade deadline, the moves that they made, um, how he views the team going forward. One thing that I really like that sort of stuck out for me was that Steve Eiserman said, yes, you want to draft these high-end players in the draft, these guys who are just generational talents, but One player does not make a team. I mean, he himself said when he came to the Red Wings, he didn't rebuild and turn around that team on his own. There were other players, guys like Sergei Fedorov, who were helping him, guys like Konstantinov, who were helping him. I mean, rebuilds don't happen overnight, and one player does not rebuild a franchise. Edmonton is a great example of this. I mean, what do you guys think about that vision of a rebuild? Do you think that... Maybe competitive teams from the '90s have really changed to today, where now one or two players can rebuild a franchise. Or do you think you still have to just, if you want something sustainably competitive, you have to build depth.
1: You have to build depth. Like you could rely on some stars, but if you don't have four solid lines, it's not going to do much. Like, like look at the Oilers; they're a prime example. I mean, I know they're finally succeeding this year, but because Kenny Holland added depth. They had McDavid mm-hmm. and Drysdale for several years now, for four or five years, and they haven't done anything besides McDavid's rookie season.
2: I mean, yeah, you need dip Hockey is a sport where you need depth. It's not like, like uh, the NBA where you had a young LeBron James phenom who carried the Cavaliers on his back and took them to you know the championship. You can't do that in hockey because you have to have line changes. A hockey player cannot play. 30, 40 minutes a night. It's impossible. They'll die. Um, so you need to have depth. And that's why the Wings were so successful back in the day, because we had such a strong, deep team from top to bottom. That's why the Blackhawks, back in their prime, the 2010s to now, they had such a strong, deep team. You can't have just one superstar and that's it on your
0: hockey team. It won't work. I think – even pittsburgh kind of has shown that with like malkin and crosby and everybody who they have loaded with them right now or did oh, have yeah, loaded. of course now they have marlo
2: and then the last couple years they had a uh, hot dog castle castle i couldn't i, I drew a blank. i just thought of hot dogs they also had like,
1: really. uh, a jason zucker too oh damn uh <laughs> you know kenny holland actually had some interesting comments recently and I don't mean to take this away from the red, like take, talk this off the Red Wings. It's still going to transition, but it's going towards your depth comment. Kenny Allen made a comment saying, "I have two of the best players in the world, McDavid and Draisaitl. They're going to play roughly twenty-four minutes, twenty-five minutes a night. Now I need to find a, another group that can play around thirty minutes. At, like find players that could play, like could, the rest of the players could play thirty minutes, just depth pieces." And we'll win a game because we have two of the best players in the world playing most of the ice time, and go get mm-hmm. other guys around them that could just compete for thirty-five minutes. And I think mm-hmm. that's a fantastic approach. You got your two stars, and just you don't need to add more superstars. Just add competent pieces that could contribute and make the make a yeah. run.
0: Of course. Um, speaking of superstars, uh, Nick, we, a superstar over in Hawks' world had a uh, a bit of an achievement. Tell us what's going on there.
1: Ah, before we get to the sad news for the Blackhawks let's, <laughs> uh, let's, let's 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 work our way down. So, you know, it's another week on the Stickley podcast and another historical monument reached for uh Blackhawks future legend. Duncan Keith had a hat trick of milestones this pa- in the past since last episode. He ha- he collected goal number 100 yesterday against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, he also recorded his 500th assist, and also with that is 600 career points. So, Duncan Keith with the hat trick of milestones, and just like I said with Taysom Kane, he's one of those just unreal talents that Chicago's been blessed with. And it's cool to see all those milestones come in one week and uh, a lot of celebration, even though kind of some downtime in Chicago. So, it's a, a small light in a dark tunnel for the Blackhawks. Got to celebrate Duncan Keith's milestones.
0: I and mean, like the thing is, like Keith, Keith's a two way defenseman. He's not an <laughs> offensive defenseman like a guy like Mike Green, who is more known for just shooting it and trying to get pucks in that. Keith's a, a two way defenseman by design. I think that makes 100 goals so much more impressive. Mm-hmm. it
1: absolutely does. I mean, he's one of the best. He's one of the best guys in his own zone. And to add 100 goals also to that list. It's just simply unbelievable. And he's been surreal for his whole career in Chicago. And it's just amazing what he could do in our own zone, in the neutral zone, and also in the offensive zone with the numbers that he's just put up.
2: All right, let's flush the toilet and start going to the bad news.
1: All right, so the biggest... Unleash
2: the angry Nick.
1: All right, the biggest deal made for the Hawks on Monday, trade deadline day. Sadly, Robin Leonard was traded to the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Blackhawks received a second-round pick, Malcolm Subban, and prospect Slava Demon in return for in, in exchange for Robin Leonard. And, you know, it's sad that probably earlier in the season we were talking about how Leonard's the future goalie of the Blackhawks. They're not going anywhere. They're going to they're gonna lock him up long-term. And how quickly things change—it's just one of those things. It, I kind of seen it coming just because Crawford started to play more. Robin Leonard wasn't speaking to the media, and it seemed like Crawford took over the starting role, which means the Blackhawks are kind of shying away from Leonard. And I'm not impressed with that return. You know, he's a second-round pick for a stud—one of the best goalies in the world, Robin Leonard. It's uh. Not a great return. I mean, the Slava Demon guy turns out to be an okay D-man, maybe a top four, maybe it works. He's teammates with Ian Mitchell in Denver, but just not an impressive return for Robin Leonard.
0: Robin Leonard, though, is a true rental in the sense of, I mean, he's a free agent after the season, right? So, I mean, you guys could, in theory, re-sign him if you guys decide to let Crawford go.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's also, I was going to add that on before you guys, like, I didn't want to say that before your guys' thoughts, but he, I could see him coming back to Chicago. One of the comments he made after he got traded was he he said he believes in that group and that they have a bright future and things are looking be- are going to get better soon. So it, it, he had he had great parting words with the Blackhawks organization, and we all know how Stan Bowman is. He loves bringing back forward Blackhawks if he's the GM this offseason. So So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope to see Leonard again because Cropper's aging, and we need a young, a younger goalie to be our best.
2: They could, they could literally pull a Thomas Vanek, like with the wings, where we traded him at the deadline and then re-signed him. Mean, yeah, charity. that's
1: exactly what it could. Be. I mean, there's a lot of notable names. Antoine Vermette did that when he was traded to the Blackhawks from the Coyotes. He, uh, Blackhawks gave him a first-round pick for Vermette he, in 2015. He came and won a cup, and then went back to the Coyotes. So it's not, it's not one of those things that's. It never happened like if a team loves if a player loves a certain team they will gladly go back
2: the door's not closed. what you guys think of their return um i thought it wasn't that great from how much you've talked about him and how good he's been this season for you guys i honestly thought if t- one of them was gonna go it was gonna be crawford and when i saw that the trade happened i was just shocked um and for a second round pick and two players who i mean one who's okay and one who we don't know what could pan out to be. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: it was painful, man. I, You know,
2: he made a tweet saying everything's bright and sunny here in, in
1: St. Louis for like 30 minutes before the deadline, so it really seemed like he wasn't getting moved. So I was like, I was all right with it. Like, I'm, that's better, that shows more of a chance of him getting extended maybe after the trade deadline. Stan Bowman would announce an extension for Robin Liner, And then out of nowhere, like right before the deadline, I think it was – 2:58 Eastern Time. There it is, the uh, Robin Leonard trade to Vegas. And the weirdest thing about this trade is Leonard wasn't directly traded to Vegas. He was traded to the Maple Leafs. Who was that? Then the Maple Leafs traded him to Vegas. The Maple Leafs got a fifth round pick for one of their prospects that was involved in the deal, and they retained two and a half million of Leonard's salary. While the Blackhawks retained two and a half million of Leonard's salary, so Vegas is paying Leonard 500k for the rest of the season. Nice. So yeah, I mean Vegas made out like fools, and one of the bigger news that came out of this is Alex kneelander was living with Robin Leonard this season. It turns out he's not going to be homeless. Leonard gave him the apartment for the rest of the season, so Alex Nealander has a home. Good for him. <laughs> he doesn't have to do babysitting dude now, so I think that's a win-win for Nealander. He gets he has a home, he has a house to himself. Maybe he could bring a few females back or something. and No watching kids.
0: <laughs> there you go, man. True bachelor life. <laughs>
1: Uh, congr- so, congrats to Alex Nylander. Uh You know, uh, no, no more babysitting duty.
0: let Leonard, man. He lets you have his house when he goes somewhere else and says, "Ah, oh, you're good, man. Do whatever."
1: But yeah, I mean, just such a disappointing return. You know, Ugh. I'll get more into that when I get to Stan Bowman's comments.
0: Okay, well, I mean, walk us through what else is going on in the uh, Hawks world, Nick.
1: All right, and then you know the guy I've been banging the drum for to be traded, Eric Gustafson, finally gets traded to the Calgary Fame, Flames for a conditional third round pick. Not gonna lie, I don't know the conditions behind it. I think it's something like if the Flames make it to the second round, it turns into a second. So, I, you know, Gustafson was struggling last season, it's or this season, and you know he's one of those guys that fell out of favor in Chicago. I Personally, did not like him one bit. Very unreliable in the D zone, and just maybe just a true power play specialist. So, a third round pick, I guess, is not a terrible return for the season he's having. But uh, I think there's more value there as as well. Like I said, with Liner, there's a lot more value there. It's just Stan Bowman's afraid to play hardball and won't negotiate deals.
0: I actually don't mind this deal for you guys, like. I don't think that Gustafson was a long-term piece for you guys. And I I feel like realistically, you weren't going to get anything more from him at any point in time. Like I feel like he's never been valuable enough to have been able to fetch you guys a first round draft pick. Just the record's not there, but I don't mind the third that is a conditional or that could become a second. I think that's, that's probably a best case scenario, but a third for a guy that wasn't a long-term solution for you guys. I don't think is a bad move.
1: Yeah, but here's – so before before we continue talking about that, I'll discuss – this kind of ties in with Stan Bowman, his comments on assets management. He made a comment saying something along the lines of that they had to get value for the guys that they are moving. It's all about ma- managing our assets and what we could get in return for guys that aren't going to be with us for the long term. All right, understandable comment by Stan. What's not understandable is – Eric Gustafson last season had a 60-point season as a D-man. Very rare. He was one of the best offensive D-men in the league. You probably could have traded him in the summer for a first-round pick. or You probably could have got him for a haul, actually, a first-round pick and a prospect because 60 points from a D-man is hard to come by, and that's something a lot of teams will give up for. And NHL Network even made a comment about his last season. They were talking about like he's this godly offensive D-man and that it was a steal for the Flames. All right, That makes sense. Yeah, he's struggling this year. But if he, we knew he wasn't going to be part of the long-term plans before that. Like he was not coming back at the Blackhawks next season, no matter what. Sam Bowman could have easily traded him this past off season, but instead Bowman took the gamble and maybe he could have another season like he did this year or last season and get a bigger haul at the trade deadline. That just simply didn't happen. Bowman,
0: you're basically gambled, mad that the trade didn't happen earlier.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wanted him gone last summer, uh, like. We knew he wasn't going to be part of it. Like the Blackhawks' decor is from prospect pipeline, is pretty deep, and instead he Bowman waits until this year's trade deadline, and you get a third round pick from him. I mean, it's a high pick, it's a high third round pick, but it's just I you, when you come it comes to managing assets, you got to know when it's time to part with them, and last summer was the time to part with them going to the managing assets for the letter view, you waited till 2.59 p.m. to make a trade. That's when teams are willing – when other teams are going to know, like, you're willing, you're going to be willing to take anything for this guy because you, I'm, we know you want to move him, and if, you, if we, you don't accept what we're going to give you, you won't move him. You're going to lose him for nothing this offseason. So Bowman procrastinating making a move, two moves later in the deadline when he could have been aggressive earlier that afternoon, that morning, it, it, it came back to bite them because I Carolina needed a goalie cause they just lost two of their goalies. So they, and they had two first round picks to part with. Yeah. They could have at least part of one of them to re- get Leonard, but it, it, they waste the Blackhawks procrastinate, Sam Bowen procrastinate and he didn't manage his assets correctly. And that's why I've been pissed off with the Blackhawks trade deadline because he comes in talking about all this asset management and he didn't manage them correctly. he got, minimal return for two guys that he could have got
0: hauls for. I guess it's kind of the way it happens in sports So, I mean no I'll granted yes I'll give you absolutely that they could have gotten more for Leonard. I think if they would have moved him earlier. Gustafson, I'm like eh it's, I think hindsight's only twenty twenty though on that one. I mean I I think that you're right in the fact that Bowman probably knew that he wasn't a long term piece but he also didn't know whether he was going to have as good of a season or a worse season this coming season. So I can understand the gamble there. I think um, just to tie it into the wings a little, we had
2: the same type of talk. I mean, over the summer, there was rumblings with Anthony Sioux being traded, and we could have gotten a huge haul for him back then too. Uh, So it's just, you know, teams not biting the bullet.
1: Yeah, and – and I I understand that, like, but just Bowman not having good history with making trades, and it, ever since that Panera trade, he's been terrible at making trades. So he's gambling on himself when he's against the eight ball, like he, mm-hmm. a guy that came from nowhere, did and had a season like last season. That's a, that's where you sell him high during the summer. I mean, it was an unreal season last season. He, I give him all the credit in the world, but. You got to sell him high at that point because you know something like that for a guy that came out of nowhere and wasn't really anything and had a season like he did last season, you got to trade him for the best that you can. And Bowman and said just waited too long. And it, I mean, a third round picks are return, so I guess we'll have to deal with it.
0: Um, is there anything else going on in Hawksland before we cover the rest of the league's trade deadline? Because we're going to have a couple guys to talk about for the rest of the league who got traded, just sort of like the bigger names.
1: Yeah, I guess just one last thing to add is the Blackhawks are officially in the tank hunt for Lafreniere. They currently hold the seventh spot, uh, just just a few points back from, four points back from being inside the top five. So,
2: you watch uh, your mouth when you talk about Lafreniere, okay? He's coming coming to us.
1: Here come the Hawks, the mighty Blackhawks. So, uh, yeah, if we get if we get blessed with the lottery like we did last season, watch out because uh, you know. Kirby Doc, Adam Ouellet, and Alexi Lafreniere would be a nice uh past three drives.
2: La, 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 la.
0: <laughs> I can't hear you. La 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 la
1: la. la, 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 la <laughs> uh,
0: like, I don't mind the Hawks, but if the Hawks win this draft lottery and Detroit gets screwed by that, I am going to be so mad.
1: <laughs> and they currently hold it. The, the Blackhawks currently sit at a twenty point four percent chance of being assigned to top three. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I like the odds. If the NHL 30%. can rig, if the NHL can rig it and put Detroit, Chicago one and two, and I mean, I honestly don't care any order. I'll take Byfield or Yeah. I'll be happy. We I'll be happy. We could all rejoice. That'd be a fun episode.
2: I just simmed it a few times, and you got the first once, and we got it a few times.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, we have fifteen wins at this point of the season. Come, come on,
0: Gary Bettman. If you're listening to this podcast, this is how this. Draft lottery needs to work this season. Detroit will take first. That way they can get just some sort of light after this abysmal season. Chicago can get second because they put a team together and brought you all and ha- sorts of fun things.
2: And have Ottawa out of the top ten for both picks, if possible.
1: Hey hell. New Jersey's inside has two picks inside the top ten now too, so do they? Yeah, got a, fuck New Jersey. God They, got, no, <laughs> they no. got Arizona at nine and New Jersey at
2: six. This isn't fair.
0: You know what the worst part is? Ottawa or New Jersey has such a ridiculously high chance of winning the draft lottery again.
1: Both hold three first round picks now. So there's oh God. six of the 31 picks taken between two teams.
2: They are who we thought they are
0: and we let them off the hook.
1: Shit. <laughs>
2: That's a All deep
0: right. cut. Well, I want to move on to happier topics because I have a feeling Detroit's getting screwed this uh, this latter oh, system. Oh, so I want to move on to something <sighs> a little bit happier.
1: Before we go on, uh, it kind of goes back to Red Wings. So were you content with what the Wings did then, or with every move? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I was. Sh- I was shocked Jimmy Howard didn't get moved.
2: I think he. I think we let him leave at the end of the season. I don't think a team was going to take his contract.
1: I just thought maybe a team on the brink of the, like again, Carolina, they could have paid a, like a, would you take, like a fifth or fourth for him?
0: Taking a fourth for Howard, absolutely. Oh, yeah, totally.
1: I thought he was going to be one of the names moved, but I guess not. Just, yeah, I just figured, obviously, uh, I was not content with our trade deadline, but I know the Wings made some great moves, so.
0: I loved our trade deadline, to be honest. Getting anything from Mike Green was awesome. I mean, the guy's 34 years old and obviously, hopefully not coming back to Detroit. And then Athens, CU, a guy who wasn't in long-term plans, at least in my opinion anyway, getting two second-rounders for him, that's a win-win. I mean, I'm, I'm not upset with either of those moves. Would yeah. I have liked to have seen them maybe move another aging player for more picks? Sure, but the return they got for the pieces they got rid of in the situation they were in wasn't bad. So I, I, if I were going to say... I gave a grade to this trade deadline. I'd give it like a B minus. It wasn't, you know, fantastic, but it certainly wasn't terrible.
1: I thought it was a great, great trade deadline for the Wings. You know, Anthony C U was the biggest trade bait off that team, and they they got rid of him and they got a really good return for him. So I'd be happy if I were you guys.
0: Yep. What are your overall thoughts of the trade deadline, David? I think it was okay.
2: I mean, it would have been nice to see like a couple more guys get moved. Trip- no one was going to take Trevor Daly. I think we'd have to pay a player, pay a team to take Trevor Daly. Um, but it would have been nice to see Howard, you know, go to a contending team.
0: I think in some ways well, it might just be one of those things. The organization, organization, is going to let him just retire a Red Wing. I mean, he's been a Red Wing his whole career, and it's sort of it's kind of like the Cronwall situation where. You just sort of let him ride out his last year with the organization because you know he's gone. Obviously, Nick, you weren't terribly thrilled with the Hawks trade deadline. Uh,
1: Yeah, terribly thrilled is putting it lightly. I was very upset. you know, But the one guy I was surprised the Hawks didn't move because I thought they might sell him high because we probably can't afford him this offseason is Brandon Saad. We'll get to John Gabriel Peugeot's trade, but I thought the Hawks could get something like the return – Auto centers did for Peugeot. It uh, just didn't really work itself out. So now, uh, you know, we'll see what happens this out. I thought he was going to get moved at the deadline, but now we wait until July.
0: We'll move on to the rest of the league's trade deadline. Um, there were a lot of moves, so rather than talk about every single move, we're just going to head on a couple of the bigger ones. Um First one being the Ottawa Senators trading uh, John Gabriel Pajot for a first, a second, and a third round draft pick, so basically pulling a Thomas Tatar. Um, what do you guys think of this one?
1: I loved this deal for the Islanders. I think J.G. JG Pajot is a very underrated player. He fits the system perfectly. He's, great two, he's a great two-way player. He can put up numbers as he's already at 50 points this season. Uh, he's got Barry Tross is going to love him. And it's a great piece to add in one of the more surprising trades because David said it pre-show, but the auto centers were not really thinking about moving him. And this kind of came out of nowhere. When you get a return like that, I mean, you kind of have to do it.
2: Yeah. I could have sworn like earlier in the day or the day before I read an article that they weren't looking to trade him. They were looking to keep and hold on to him to like build around. And I guess they were like, Nope,
0: can't pass this good deal up. Like, this is a pretty good move for Ottawa. I mean, I don't think he was worth this haul, but I mean, yes, Ottawa has got to. Like, are they in the best position for a rebuild of anybody in the NHL? I mean, like, how many first round draft picks do they have coming up at this point? Like, they have three this year.
2: Three and two in the top,
1: like, ten. They're the top five. Well,
2: they have one that's, uh, Sixth and oh. – Yeah,
1: fourth and third.
2: <laughs> no, they have fifth and sixth. Uh, I'm not
1: tanking that right now. I see fourth and third.
2: Um, Wait, they shouldn't it. have reset one it. because that was a dumpster Okay, player. yeah, fourth and third. Fourth and third. I had it on the Sims still. I didn't reset it.
1: And with the I, – I mean, not, even, not only that, but they also got prospects like Drake Bathurston. They got Eric Branstrom in the organization. They got Brady Kachuk still. He's young. They have a lot of good pieces and three first round picks, and then two of them are on the top five. Ottawa is sitting very well. But yeah, I mean, if if anybody's doing rebuilding, right, it's the Ottawa centers because they could be in for one hell of a turnaround, maybe even next season. But it looks like uh, maybe two seasons, but they're in a great position.
0: If they get one and two, I'm done. <laughs> if they get one and two, they literally will get what is arguably a franchise winger and a potentially franchise center from one draft like uh, like th- that's the equivalent of saying we just drafted our top line in one draft motherfuckers one of the other big trades going on from this deadline was uh Trojack ended up going to the uh I believe it's the Carolina Hurricanes and I don't think any of the actual picks were involved it was just a player trade correct they acquired like four guys
1: yeah, there was some two prospects involved, and then uh, Eric Halla and Lucas Walmart. So, this was like a strictly hockey trade, and this is probably my favorite trade of the day. I thought, uh, I think Trochak is a great player who's kind of had two struggling seasons now. I think the Quinville system really didn't fit him this season, uh, but he's a, a stellar talent. And for the, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes to add him, the teams they have now. And also the other moves that we'll get to. I thought I, th- this is a great move by the Carolina Hurricanes. He's a top six forward who he he could produce 70 points if he's back with them next season. Uh, mm-hmm. Parting ways with a guy like, like Eric Halla and Lucas Walmart, those are kind of role players. Uh, Panthers really didn't get better here, but they got two pretty good prospects with E2 Lucinanen and Chase Prisky. So it was a pure hockey trade from that standpoint. And it was my favorite move of the day.
2: Good trade. Um, so the other two trades I wanted to bring up, uh, the first was Ilya Kovalchuk um, being traded to the Washington Capitals by the Canadians uh, for a third-round pick. It's a really high pick for a like Asian veteran. But he's had, what was it, 13 points in the 22 games this season. So nine goals and 13 assists.
1: And the best part about this trade, it, it was – I mean, obviously, he's going to go play with his buddy, Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, Capitals just get another Russian. Uh, but yep. Mark Bergerman went to Ilya Kovalchuk, and he had two trade offers on the table for him. One to send him to the Bruins for a second-round pick, and one to send to the Washington Capitals for the third that they received. And he let Kovalchuk choose where he wanted to go. So Bergeron did him right. I guess he wasn't really concerned about it being a third or a second. So I think that was a very interesting move by it. it shows Berger as a player GM. I gave him a lot of shit for being a bad GM, but that that was a uh, interesting what he did for Kovalchuk.
2: So the second trade, uh, the Penguins trading away a conditional third round pick in 2021 for Patrick, 40 year old Patrick Marlowe. Um, the pick can become a Pittsburgh second round selection. If the Penguins win the Stanley cup this year, I I don't foresee that happening. I'm pretty sure it's just going to stay at the third round pick. Um, but I think this is just, uh, you know, San Jose's not doing well. Marlo, um, I think, is being given an opportunity to play for a team that could go to the Stanley Cup and he could finally win the Cup. I mean, they almost won it a few years ago, but they got beat hard by the Penguins. So I think this is just a way for him to kind of
0: go out with one last shot. Marlowe, like, I'm surprised that him and Thornton didn't both get moved. Like, I, I think that a third rounder is perfectly fine for Marlowe. I mean, this is really a seller's market, it seems like, this deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Pittsburgh is in a great position to win another cup this year. They, I think they very well could if they stay healthy. <laughs> they don't need to stay healthy. They win when they're all hurt. Everybody just gets hurt, and then... All of a sudden, everybody's back when they need to actually win games.
1: This is a very underrated move for Pittsburgh. I think uh, I think with Marlu, if you put him alongside with Crosby, he can put up numbers. I mean, Marlu's still quick, so he can keep up the pace with Crosby. He still has a hell of a shot. He can bury the puck in the back of the net. Oh, yeah, for
2: 40 uh, years so, old, he's still got it.
1: Yeah, so I – I think it's a great move for Pittsburgh. Obviously, Marleau has playoff experience too. So a great shade of Pittsburgh's end. And good on Doug Wilson for giving Marleau another chance to go win a cup because he doesn't deserve to suffer for all that he brought to the Sharks organization. So it's a great move. And I I don't think this is the last run apart of Patrick Marleau either. I think he goes back to the Sharks and takes over the most played games in the NHL next season. Want me to come to the next two trades? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so another big trade that was made was Andre Kasha to the Boston Bruins for David Backus and a first-round pick. I like this move for the Bruins. This is why they just continue to be dominant because they make smart moves. Kasha is one of the better young players from the Anaheim Ducks, and the Bruins go get a pure goal scorer and playmaker out of it for uh, David Backus, who was technically in the AHL but not playing. They had to give up a first-round pick, so – Kasha is another dynamic top six forward added to the Bruins lineup, and I thought this was a big trade for them.
2: And they get the Shed uh, back as contract.
1: I think they ate some of the salary. I'm not too sure, though.
0: No. Uh...
1: No, 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 they didn't. The Ducks, the Ducks ate it all.
0: The Ducks ate all of the contract?
1: I believe so. This was the last year of his deal.
0: Okay, then that makes more sense. <laughs> this wasn't particularly uh, deadline-related, but... One of you guys brought it up when we were talking before the episode about it. Uh, David Ayers, I'm not 100% familiar with the story. Um, one of you guys walk me through what happened, though.
2: So, basically, the the starter goalie was hurt before the game, if I'm correct, right? Or was he hurt during the game? I want to say it was during the game.
1: They were both hurt during the game.
2: Yeah, and then Peter Marazic, uh got collided with and got injured. So they had to bring in their emergency goalie, which was David Ayers, and I think he gave up two goals in the first two shots, if I remember correctly. But then he, he did. Then he settled down and helped them to the win, and they gave him a fitting celebration in the locker room when he came in. So amazing to see, depressing for uh, <laughs> Toronto to get beat by a 42 year old Zamboni driver. Oops, yeah, it is, was a. It was a
1: Scott Foster, you thinking of Jordan? Yeah, that's who it was. I, I read your mind there. I, sorry to cut you off. But yeah, the last person we've seen to do this was Scott Foster. But David Ayers, <laughs> Scott Foster was in for a win. But David Ayers is the first emergency backup goalie to be credited with the win. So that's a pretty cool accomplishment
0: yeah. for him. And he put, had to he play a see period any and a half. Memes?
1: No, I didn't see any memes. But I seen the media tour that guy went on.
2: Yeah, He got, he got the win and $500. Good for him.
1: I think he got a little more than that. I mean,
2: no, it was five hundred.
1: No, I know, but NHL players throw money on the board for their games, for big oh, games true. and stuff like that. I guarantee some of the guys uh, toss him a couple thousand.
2: And he got to keep the game worn jersey.
1: I think the Hurricanes started selling like jersey, like t-shirt jerseys for him, and he got to keep oh. h- half of that stuff too. That's awesome. I and mean, he's a really cool story. I think he had to have a liver transplant or kidney transplant from his mom a, a couple years ago. So he's really, I mean, a guy who was just a Zamboni driver, got to live out his dream, a guy against all like, odds. I mean, he his life was changed both this weekend and, I mean, with the kidney transplant, that's not a major – that's not a minor surgery. That's a big surgery, a life-changing surgery. And, you know, it's cool to see an underdog story like that come through and just what a story David Ayers is. And, I mean, congrats to him. He, he Yeah. Just an unreal moment.
2: He'll live that forever.
0: I just, I thought that was kind of a cool story, though. I mean, we don't see stuff like that happen very often in the hockey world. I mean, he might go down... Or him and, uh, oh, him and the other guy might actually go down as the best goaltenders in NHL history. They both have a uh, 100% win <laughs> record. <laughs> <Goat> yeah. <status.
1: laughs> Absolutely. Should we... Uh, now we covered that. Should we cover the final bigger trades since... I mean, there's a couple more big ones that Carolina made.
0: We can walk through the rest of the big ones, or the ones that we think were really worth noting.
1: All right, so I'll just cover them too quickly. It's both of them were with Carolina. Uh, Sammy and went from the, Jer- the New Jersey Devils to Carolina Hurricanes for a package of prospects. Uh, a, a great move that Carolina made. You know, they lost Dougie Hamilton, and he's they needed to make a move at D. And also, with that being said, Brady, the Carolina Hurricanes made a last-second deal with the New York Rangers in acquiring a stud defenseman, Brady Shea, from the New York Rangers for 2021. So uh, her, Carolina made some moves. I mean, with Shrochek, Sammy Botnan, and Brady Shea, they are in position for a hell of a playoff run because they have a stacked decor core now, a great young forward group, and their only issue, concern is is their goalies are down.
0: I mean, so if their goalies are down, they could come back and eventually be fine.
1: That's the only thing that shocked me: though, is they lose two goalies in one game, and clearly they were able, they were willing to part ways with one of their first-round picks. I thought they would have been all over Robin Leonard. they Still, I think that in the end, Carolina, the Carolina Hurricanes, were probably the winner of the trade deadline.
0: Uh, does anybody else have any other trades they want to talk about? Not for me. I'm good. So we've talked about the Hawks in the wings uh, actual news this week. We've talked about the trade deadline. At this point of the podcast, let's go ahead and do the flash forward and the flashback. So for those of you who've never tuned in to the episodes before and listened, uh, the flashback and the flash forward are basically the segment of the podcast where we look at the weeks that were and will be for each team and just sort of do recap as well as Project forward what we think will happen. Um, How far back do you want to go with the win? I feel like we should really just do the past like week or so because I mean we delayed this episode specifically for the trade deadline. So rather than okay. do almost an entire two weeks of games, I think we should just do this past week. Okay. And so starting up- like Tuesday.
2: Against Montreal for us?
0: Yeah, we'll start it against uh, Montreal on the Tuesday. I mean, you could go back even more a couple days,
2: and we haven't won a game since the ninth, so it doesn't really affect it. Either
0: way, they're all L's.
2: Yeah. I mean, the Red Wings... Oh, no, we beat Montreal 4-3. to Sorry.
0: On Tuesday. So we do get one W there. Okay, so a quick flashback of the Wings week, because the Wings have been terrible all season. Uh... The Detroit Red Wings, for the first time in franchise history, complete the sweep against the Montreal Canadiens in the regular season. They win 4-3 over the Canadiens. Nobody knows how this has happened. The Wings have been terrible, but they just magically have the Canadiens number every game they played this season.
2: Yep. Uh, Anthony who had two goals.
0: Aside from that, they were all losses. Uh, They lost to the Islanders 4-1 on Friday. They lost four two against the Flames on Sunday. Uh, they lost four one yesterday against the Devils of all teams. Which, if there's a game you thought would have been close, it would have been the Devils' one.
2: Yep. Um, I mean, it's expected. We're in a full on tank right now. Um, it's just it's painful. You start to get numb to the losses. Uh, but yeah, it sucks. But it's what
0: it's expected at this point. The games don't really matter, aside from contracts for these players coming up. I mean, the Red Wings are very comfortably in last place, and nobody's even coming close to challenging them for that position. So at this point, unfortunately, in the season, the games, I hate to say they don't mean anything, but really they don't. Yeah.
1: Honestly, they don't. I mean, the next closest team is the Kings at 50 points, and the Wings are projected to finish less than that. So, I mean, they got that last place in the NHL locked up.
2: All we need now is the first pick. Oh, my God. I'm not going to watch the draft
0: lottery. It's going to just make me want to throw up. Don't you know, David, you can't actually watch the draft lottery because they don't do it live like they should. They just, oh, we're going to reveal some cards on television.
2: That's true. So we don't know what's going on. Always
1: They always leak wanna... the, like the lottery balls going up though, on Twitter, like GIFs of it.
0: No, I just I really hate that they don't do the drawing live. I really wish they would. Yeah.
1: Talking about a shitting your pants moment.
0: I, I, I you? feel like it would be so much more like exciting if they drew them live on TV. Mm-hmm. It would be.
1: I mean, I mean, I guess the cards kind of leave a little bit of anticipation, but it really. Like just seeing those balls, just (laughs) those balls, just jiggle around in a little uh, container that they're in or whatever, and draw the lottery—it'd be a lot more interesting. Just I don't know.
0: Anyway, back to the actual flashback. That's basically the week. I mean, the wings are exactly who we thought they were at this point in the season, and we didn't let them off the hook. Walk us through the Hawks' week, Nick, because you guys have had a week.
1: Uh, yeah. uh, Uh, Jordan, me, and you recorded. I think the night before the Rangers game last week. So uh, I'll just go from there. The nineteenth, the loss against the Rangers six to three It's basically the nail in the coffin of what made the Blackhawks sellers at the trade deadline. They needed to win out to even be close to making hockey trades, and that never happened. So the, they lost to the Rangers six three, and then they lost to don't know Then they beat Nashville two to one in overtime. Uh, Alex Brickett had both goals in that game, so uh, it's good to see him find the back of the net. Even though now the games don't matter, uh, so Hawks beat Nashville two to one, and then the Blackhawks lost to the Stars two to one on Sunday, and then the day after the trade deadline, Duncan Keith's historic night with his hundredth career point, and the Blues end up topping the Blackhawks six to five, uh, and uh, Crawford looked phenomenal at points at some points, and then. The defense, again, was just an issue. So it's looking like uh, it's dark days ahead for these final month and a half.
0: See, I mean, at this point, both teams are sellers. At the uh, or, Well, we're sellers at the deadline and are pretty much they're going to the lottery. So we're really not going to be expecting a ton from these teams for the rest of the season.
1: I mean, David. me and David had a little interaction on Twitter about my thoughts on the Hawks. Uh, I quote tweeted something how the guy the Blackhawks called out Lucas Carlson he had a great game against the Stars I mean a guy that they didn't really expect much and he looks like he could be a promising D-man maybe in the top six one day and I I quote it said Crawford is starting and then Nick Sealer, who is just a guy that's going to fight and play physical was in for Carlson Jeremy Carlson says something like along the lines that Carlson had a good game. We want him to sit and be confident about that one game. And I just quote you, just said, it's hard to give a fuck at this point of the season about an org- an organization that stopped giving a fuck. So that's where I'm at with the Blackhawks right now.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm sorry, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's go ahead and do our flash forward then. And we'll go from there. So, since we started with the Wings this week, we'll just do their flash forward as well. Uh, they play against the Minnesota Wild on Thursday. They play against the Ottawa Senators on the 29th. They play against the Avalanche on the 2nd. And then they Actually, yeah, that's it for the week going forward. Yeah. So three games this upcoming week, we week. talk about the rivalry.
2: Yep. Um, I think, honestly, we could win maybe one of these games. Not against the Avalanche. They're going to eat our lunch. But I could see us pulling off a win against the Wild or the Senators. I'm leaning more towards the Wild.
0: Okay, I actually think the Senators is the is the one that we could win on the schedule. Neither team is amazing at this point in the season, but I think just Ottawa's the weaker team. That if Detroit's going to beat one, they'd beat them. Yeah, what, they traded.
1: And they traded their best player
0: too, I mean, what do you think of the schedule coming up I You think it's pretty much a one win two loss schedule?
1: Yeah, it's looked like that for the Red Wings, which uh, at that point, that's really what you expect. I think it's going to be the Senators as well that they will out there and win.
0: And let's go ahead and just do the flash forward for the Hawks. So, walk us through the Hawks' upcoming season, or uh, sorry, upcoming season, upcoming week.
1: Uh, like I pre- Like I previously hinted at, it's dark days ahead for the Chicago Blackhawks. They take on the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night in Tampa. And then on Saturday, they play the Florida Panthers, who already beat us once this season. And then after that, we face the Anaheim Ducks, which I can see a win out of. And then on Thursday, they play the Edmonton Oilers. So I I see only one win with that being against the Ducks, and that's really it.
0: I got to agree with you. I think the Ducks are the one win. I think all the other games are losses here. Tampa's too good. I think Edmonton is just too good now with everybody that they picked up at the trade deadline. I mean, maybe the Florida game's a toss-up, but I think in, you can at least count on the Lightning and the Oilers games being losses for sure.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I'm just so uninterested going forward. Like I, I'm going to ride it out yeah, just being a Hawks fan, but the fact that we went from having high playoff hopes and excited for this season to now hoping we get Lafreniere, oh,
0: God, what a turnaround. But here's the thing, though. Like, At least your losses all season haven't been 1-5, 1-4, 1-7. Mm. You guys have actually had entertaining games to watch.
1: Yeah, it's been entertaining. It's kind of like what happened. I mean, It it honestly feels a lot like last season where the Hawks had a little run and were creeping up to the playoffs and then disappointed us. It, is, it looks like it just happened again this season. That's something miraculous that happened in this last month and a half. Um, I'm excited for Rivalry Week, though. I mean, uh, Friday the 6th, we got Ox Detroit. but Obviously, that'll be covered next week.
0: Yep. We'll have to record. We'll do Rivalry Week next week, because next week on the Friday is when the teams play each other. But we'll do something, again, special that episode. It's the only time this season that the uh, two teams will meet in Detroit. They met in, what was it, uh, January in Chicago, right? The 5th?
1: You guys know the song uh, oh, "Fell on Black Days" by Soundgarden. Yeah, that's the point of the season where the Blackhawks got. Well, both of us, both Hawks and Wings. That's so uh,
2: we've we've already fallen on that.
1: We've all fallen on black days now.
2: <laughs> you had you had that glimmer of hope a couple weeks ago where you were like, "We're gonna make a playoff push." Yeah,
1: it was black hole sun. Now it's all on black days. But uh, all right,
2: hey. I
0: think that so should do it. That's I think that's really it. I mean. <laughs> Really not a ton going on this week, aside from the trade deadline. The trade deadline is always a big time of year for the league. It basically, that's when teams are deciding who they're going to try to make a playoff push with, and obviously neither team for our organization, or neither team is going to make a playoff push for this podcast, so unfortunately, I don't think there will be a ton of playoff-dedicated content, but we will mm-hmm. still be covering the playoffs with this uh, podcast and there is still the rest of the season, so maybe something fun happens the rest of the season and we see it happen. But that's really it, at least for this week. But next week, we also have rivalry week to talk about. So let's get a little okay. bit of excitement going go on that. I mean, that's at least something to look forward to because it only happens twice a year. It
2: does. Yep. And, you know, Iserman's going to suit back up, slap the C on himself, and score three goals. Let's go.
1: Yeah, we may be miserable the rest of the season now that we're uh, both going nowhere, but... As for us physically, we ain't going nowhere. We'll cover the Blackhawks and Wings through and through, through dark times and good times. It's going to be a lot of dark times ahead, so deal with our uh, depression, I guess.
0: Deal with it. All right. But, But that's really going to be it, though, for this episode, guys. I mean, no fan mail this week that I'm seeing, so... As always, we'd like to thank anybody who is listening to this podcast for giving us a good listen. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in and hearing what we have to say at the end of the day. This is a podcast that is by the fans for fans. I mean, we're not news executives somewhere. We're not, you know, talk show hosts who go have like radio programs. This is really a fan cast by fans for fans. So we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to us. Um, if you want to get in touch with the podcast and to ask us any sort of interesting questions so you think that would be a good discussion if you want to give us feedback um, make any mean comments I would love to hear and read them out on the air uh, if you want to do that you can either get a hold of us you can find us on email the email address is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com again stickbladepodcast at gmail.com Or you can also find us on Twitter at StickBladePod. No hyphens or underscores or anything like that. All just one word, StickBladePod at Twitter. Um, We're going to assume you probably found us either through SoundCloud or iTunes. So however you find your podcast, feel free to give us a like, a share, a listen, a follow, a rating, whatever the currency is of choice on the platform that you found us. Um, iTunes reviews in particular are huge for helping the podcast get found. So we always appreciate those. With that being said, this has been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. Go Blackhawks and go Red Wings!